0: to Actions Antidotes, your antidote to the mindset that keeps you settling for less. Today, we're going to talk about the intersection of culture, adventure, and close encounters with wildlife with Oso Adventure Meals founder, Felipe Vieira. Felipe, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Stephen. Uh, really excited to dive into this conversation. Definitely. Now, these are some very interesting topics, and one thing I love to always kind of, identify out here in this podcast is ways to kind of think outside the box and ways to think about things a little bit differently. And so you were on a backpacking trip of sorts when you came up with the idea for Oso Adventure Meals. Yeah, that's
1: right. That's right. It was two years ago um in right outside of Leadville, Colorado. And I had gotten into backpacking. So it wasn't my first time out in the backcountry, but it was the first time for one of my best friends. Um, he had never gone backpacking, but he Mm -hmm. loved the outdoors. We decided to go backpacking and we did Jasper Lake trail. I think, Mm -hmm. I believe it's called. And so it was super fun. It was definitely a journey that set us up for an even longer journey of entrepreneurship and food and culture and all the things that you named.
0: Yeah, for sure. And so You know, most people go on backpacking trips, especially it's your first time. It sounds like it wasn't your first time, but it was your friend's first time. And you're just Mm. really focused on some of the basic necessities of life that we often take for granted. Like you have to pump the water to get, you know, fresh water. You have to like set up the tent in every spot to get your shelter and make sure that you get in before the thunderstorms happen, depending on what time of year it is. Yeah. At the time though, you were coming up with ideas for a whole new business. It's funny though, because it was few mishaps. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, first off, it was like later in the summer too. So it was a little, or in the fall, I mean, it was a little like yeah. it was a bit of a gamble getting out there. And we also started uh, on the trail late. We ended up going to Leadville and stopping for a beer at, uh, oh, wow. I forget the brewery. And we ended up stopping for a beer and stayed there a little too long. And so we got on the trail a little late. It was also a very steep trail. At some point, I remember grabbing my headlamp and then in my extra one, me uh, putting one on and handing the other one to my friend uh, because we were hiking in the middle of the night. Oh, wow. Yeah, trying to make it to the top. And it was his first time, so he was like a little anxious. He's like, oh, there's going to be a mountain line right around the corner. Um, we This is never ending. And so it was yeah. definitely... It was definitely a an adventurous experience, but I feel like that's what life is about, right? We finally make it to the top. We pitch our tents and we're both exhausted and hungry. We sit down after pitching up our tents, boil some water, and I had some legacy mountain house uh, backpacking food. It was mm-hmm. uh, It was, I believe it was beef stroganoff, It it wasn't my first foray into like into backcountry meals. It was his though, and so he was like, "What? What is this? This is so bland. Is this (laughs) is this all you brought for us? And and this is all you have to to give us after this like exhausting 15 mile hike in the middle of the dark." And so, just sitting there though, we just started talking about the importance of food for us growing up and our, our our abuelitas cooking and just like what food means for us as as uh, as folks of color and and then also too like what being in the outdoors means for us as well as as to men of color from like low income backgrounds and it got us having a really good conversation about again food, culture, and just like what is it what does it mean to reclaim to claim space in the outdoors, you know? And so
0: Yeah. For sure. And then so your community has not always been represented as much in the in the outdoor community. What's the what's the background behind that? Is it mostly about the low income and that it's mostly accessible only to richer people? Or is it mostly about the racial ethnic aspect of it? Yeah, that's that's
1: a great question. It's a mix of a few things. For us, it's um it did start with representation. I think it it did start with are we visible in the outdoors and it's funny in uh in the last few weeks we've been we've been doing a lot of like a lot of we just hired a consult a marketing consultant and we've been diving into like our pitch deck and materials and such and she was like you know how hard it is to find stock pictures of kids of color in the outdoors oh wow (laughs) she was like it's non-existent And so like, I think that just gives an example of like representation is an issue. It's also historically been, you know, a combination of like economic inequality, legalized segregation and other forms of historical present day over covert racial uh, inequities that has perpetuated a, a diversity gap in the outdoors, you know, from from economic policies employment discrimination unequal access to quality education it's just created this inaccessibility to the outdoors and green spaces for example a lot of communities of color um are far from access mm-hmm. to mountains you know redlining had a lot to do, that, do with that too so it's a combination right it's a combination like policy of access of representation of bear of economic barriers to the outdoors.
0: Although some people who are from, say, a quite wealthy background might see a backpacking trip or even a camping trip as a relatively inexpensive activity. And it is compared to, say, golfing or equestrian events. It still takes access to a vehicle to drive up to the mountains. That vehicle has to be a four-wheel drive to get to a lot of the places you want to do. And you have to have the time to say, I'm not going to work today. I'm going to spend you know, as as I did earlier this year, three days up in the mountains, just, you know, whatever, building tents, backpacking, you're not earning any money then.
1: I think you hit it on the nail, like cost of camping gear, interest, there's entrance fees, lack of vacation days, unpaid leave, and other factors make it difficult for families to participate in the outdoor recreation space, particularly BIPOC individuals who are more likely to face a lot of these economic barriers you know and so yeah, I think you you were spot on on that
0: yeah so you're at least in the place right now where you were able to go up to leadville and just for the reference yeah. for anyone listening that doesn't live in colorado leadville is pretty much right in the dead center of the state and it's also a pretty high up it's a town at 10,200 feet in elevation so it's a it's yeah. pretty high up there's a lot of stuff but you were able to to get there, what did you need to do to get to the point where you could comfortably take a couple of days and go in the mountains with your friends without having to worry about that's a day's lost income or that's yeah, whatever? That's
1: a great question. And by the way, for folks listening, Leadville is beautiful, and so I encourage folks to visit. But I would say for me, like I think it's been a journey for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I I'm originally from Mexico and came to the states and documented and grew up in. Northern Colorado in Fort Morgan, uh, Northeast plains of Colorado, pretty far away from mountains. Um, mm-hmm. but, both of my parents worked at the meat packing plants and worked overtime and, um, and so we, 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 as a family didn't really have time to experience the outdoors for many years. We went through a lot of hardships as a low income family and eventually moved to uh, Greeley, Colorado. And so it was when we were in Greeley that we would venture into the outdoors a bit more. Uh, Estes, Estes Park, which is another very beautiful place in Colorado, uh, was a lot closer. It's like, I, I would say like a 45 minute drive from Greeley. And so we, we would drive from Greeley to Estes Park and just go and uh, walk the main street and then go get Kentucky fried chicken, (laughs) go, go picnic right next to the big Thompson river. And so like, that was like my intro to the outdoors. And it was such a place of, of comfort for my family, a time for us to like, really just build with each other, be with each other, given my parents, both working so much during the week. And, and so, and even when I went to college, I went to the university of Denver, um, and I was around so much wealth and privilege, and I think I I went snowboarding once in my four years of the year, and it was such a normal thing for people to do. Um, and it was really from a place of like I didn't have the money to be able to go snowboard. I didn't have the money for a snowboard. I didn't have the money the money for a pass. I also didn't have a vehicle that I had. I was driving a an old school Mustang that my mom had given me, which is which was terrible in the snow. And so I couldn't even imagine driving up I 70 in the middle of winter. And so I, I share that because it definitely has been a journey for me to be able to like have the opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to go to Lebo this weekend and go on a backpacking trip, you know? And so I think through access to quality education, through mentors that I believed in me, through financial literacy just like all those things have led for me to be able to be able to have that option to be able to say you know what I want to spend my weekend in the outdoors and so not a lot of kids that share a similar background to me grow up having those uh having that option if that makes yeah. sense yeah
0: no that makes sense it doesn't seem accessible to everybody and not everyone has it seems like what you said is first of all the parents that work really hard to get you to where you are You had some really good mentors, and then you eventually discovered the outdoors. Uh, Let's start with the the mentors, because we've covered this a little bit in past podcast episodes. If someone's in a place where they're not sure where they're going, what would you say would be a good place or a good way for someone to look to find a good quality mentor to really be that person who's already gone down that journey to have that positive impact on their life?
1: My full-time work, my background is in education, advocacy, and community organizing. And for me, I think it's like, it ties into playing to the strengths of students and like what youth are most interested in, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I think every kid in the US is interested and passionate about either sports or extracurricular activities from like the arts to literature to even gaming, you know, I think it's like, how do we play to their interest? And I think through playing to their interest, they will come across people that will be mentors and believe in them and invest in their ability to, um, develop into, to great people, you know? Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting you bring up gaming. Cause I think I've read a few recent articles that have pointed at this idea that video games might not be nearly as bad for someone as we previously had thought. And, you know, there's obviously a way to take it to excess, but, that in some of these group gaming experiences, people are actually building relationships, building teamwork, learning how to compromise and coordinate with people to accomplish a mission.
1: Yeah. I think in my own experience, experiences growing up, like I used to play a lot of like Nintendo 64 and uh, Super Nintendo, yeah. uh, Nintendo and a lot of like Game Boy games. And I, I think it. Kept me home and out yeah. of trouble. I think I don't think they're as bad as folks say. I think, like with anything, excess can be a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, too much of something can be a bad thing, and I think um, it's like finding that balance, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: And then your first family trip to Estes after moving to Greeley was there like a, a light bulb moment where you suddenly just realized that the outdoors is something you wanted to be a major part of your life.
1: Yeah, it was definitely like, I think one of the fondest memories I have is like the whole family just being outside, like a picnic table and like all of us just being around each other. And, and it was definitely at that time that I felt like, you know what, I, I really enjoy this. And I love like, at the time it was the connection I made was more around like public spaces. Like I love, Mm -hmm. I love public spaces. I love I love being outdoors. And because growing up, you know, coming from a low income immigrant family, my family didn't really have money or resources to be able to give us, you know, opportunities to go to camp or to do youth sports competitively. And I remember always watching TV and be like, Oh, I, I were in like watching movies around like kids going to camp over the summer and never really wanting that, never really having access to it. And for me, I think that moment and uh, on the way to Essex Park, it made me realize that I love the outdoors. And and while my parents couldn't afford to like put me through camps or through youth sports, I, it was so love that was there. And, um, it, it more, more so showed up when I, like I mentioned, like in public spaces, like our local park, I would spend hours at our local park, just playing pickup soccer, um, the neighborhood. neighborhood kids and it was so much fun it was it was like my favorite thing to do aside from like like reading it was my favorite thing to to do was just go and be outside and go play uh soccer and it didn't cost my family anything and so i was so i really leaned into those opportunities to be outside
0: yeah oh that's amazing it sounds like you know as you became an adult you continued to lean into those opportunities to be outside with this snowboarding and then Most recently, this backpacking trip with your friend to Leadville, and you said this wasn't your first backpacking trip that you've done so few times. Um, was there a transition from, you know, the public park playing pickup soccer to like wanting to be all the way out there in these like really remote places? That's a good question. There was, um, I think like
1: I mentioned earlier, like it it was a journey to be able to afford to have access to the outdoors. And I think it just came with like Having hey, a reliable car and understanding yep. how things work, and honestly, having like good people around you to to take you. The transition for me was like there was a moment in my life where I realized that I wasn't saying yes to adventure, that I wasn't like saying yes to new new experiences, and that was when for me like a light bulb hit, uh, turned on inside inside me and made me realize that I was denying myself all these potentially fun and adventurous opportunities by, by not saying yes to them. And that's, that was when I started saying yes to everything. I started saying yes to like, Oh, want to go ice climbing? (laughs) And (laughs) yeah, which not something that I would usually do, but like, sure. Why not? Let's do it. And said yes to like my first backpacking trip and said yes to rafting and, uh, and, and just like, I think, I think, uh, realized that adventure was such a big part of my life. And so, yeah, so that's how that transition happened. It
0: was just like saying yes to, uh, to new experiences and adventure. I love that whole saying yes thing, because that's one of the easiest things. Of course, there are boundaries and there are times when people Mm -hmm. need to learn how to say no as well, but when you need to get out there and you need to experience new things, sometimes it's trying a bunch of things and seeing what things you like. And if you try something, yeah. you don't like it. Well, okay. Then you just move on. You say, okay, I don't want to do it again. And I'll just try something else. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. I think there's, there's so much to experience in this, yeah. in this uh, grand old life that we have in front of us. And so it's like, how do you not pigeonhole yourself into one thing and i think that's reflective of like my experience with entrepreneurship and like that and like starting also also was like i come from like an advocacy policy community organizing background i hadn't really ever thought of starting a business and then but it made so much sense you know like i was building something with people that i care deeply about and like we're friends and we we like to have fun and and share a similar perspective on life and um who better to build something with and with those guys i've been in this space where like i want to lean into my culture my mexican culture and i want to be able to share it with folks and like and like what better way to sh to do that than like uh than through food you know there's such it's such a great way to celebrate your culture your roots and to bring people together and and then bring people together and go enjoy the outdoors, right? And so the entrepreneurship journey is another example of like saying yes to adventure,
0: yeah. Yes, and trying this is a venture of a whole different kind because in a normal job, you're on a different um, thought process. A normal job, you wait for the person above you, your boss, to tell you what you need to do or you try to find a procedure to figure out what you need to do. In entrepreneurship, it's it's completely different. It's like you're needing to kind of figure everything out it's like way more creative, but also, you know, you're, you're way more likely to have to do the whole process of like, oh, uh, you know, marketing is a great example. Oh, I tried this. It didn't work. Now I'm going to try something else and maybe that'll work differently.
1: Yeah, exactly. I enjoy like what I do uh, in my full-time role, but like I have so many other interests outside of it. Like, as you could probably tell, I care. I really love soccer. And so, yeah. I used to be a freelance writer for a soccer website called the 18.com. Oh, wow. And based out of Boulder, they're still doing some really awesome work. I wrote for them for a little over four years and it was such a fun experience. That's an an example of, like I said, yes to this, because while it's outside of like my full-time role, it's such a way to build my skills and uh, and also do it, do it around something that I love, you know? And so I think that's always been like a theme of like, of my work or of like the things that I take on is like always tied to something that I love. Well, (laughs) I I try, I try that.
0: (laughs) Well, I love this idea that people don't have to just be one thing. You know, Mm -hmm. people will say like, here's my name, here's my job title. And that tends to be this, I guess, like more old school way of thinking about people. But we really are more than just our job titles. So, you know, even those of us who like and love our jobs, we still are going to have other interests and other things that that we want to do. You know, we're we're not just one thing. That's just people trying to come up with a really easy way to understand people without having to actually get to know them.
1: Exactly. I feel like people are multidimensional and it's like traditionally the way the, wor- the world is worked, like you're expected to be a square and fit into like a square space and like, that's it. And so I think it's like, we are more, we are more complex and give ourselves credit for. And I think it's more, we live in a more open world where people are just doing some really cool stuff.
0: And speaking of doing some really cool stuff. So you were up there, you went 15 miles from Leadville was like the middle of the night and you and her friend were eating this some kind of beef stroganoff and you decided this was just not working for you this is just not what you wanted to be putting into your mouth despite being so hungry from that whole uphill hike
1: we were so hungry um and decided not to eat the rest of the meals that we had brought and so we my friend was like what do i do with the food and and i told him like go find a tree And, uh, here, take this rope and then go toss the food bag over or toss, toss a rock over a branch. That's like X feet, um, uh, stretched out from the tree and then hang the food. And he went and did that. Um, and then we both went to sleep and then the very next morning we find that the bag is gone. It took us a bit to find the bag, but we found it and it was like torn. Uh, torn to bits. Oh wow. And yeah. And you we were like, well, um, I guess that bear did not approve that food <laughs> either. And so, but it's a really funny story. Cause like right now in our packaging, it says also, also approved or bear approved. I think it's a preview of like, uh, of like where our name came from and like, and then the entire, then the entire way back, the fun part of backpacking is mostly talking about the food you're going to eat when you get home. And so like the entire way back, we were talking about how bland that beef store was and also like all the great food that we were going to eat when we got home. And it led us to like talk about, continue the conversation around like Mexican food and Latin food. And like, what would it look like to bring Latin food into the backcountry, And from there, two years later, we have also adventure meals. And so um, it's been a fun journey.
0: (laughs) Sounds like an amazing journey also adventure meals named after the very animal that also rejected the same bland food that you rejected. (laughs) It sounds like, which is exactly, exactly uh, utterly hilarious. And anyone out there that's been backpacking before, you know, that whole kind of last day of the journey, when you're just kind of walking back and it's just miles and miles of walking, there's no more like supplies to anticipate. You're not anticipating next, next view. And that's oftentimes when you have either a deeper spiritual experience or deeper conversations amongst people, a lot of interesting things. It was actually on a trip like that when I finally decided to start this podcast, a a similar day like that about uh, a little over two years ago. So uh, definitely resonate with that experience. And so you were walking back and you talked about, you said, you know, yeah, there should be better, better food. That's at least good enough for the bear is those osos out there. (laughs) So what did you do next with that idea? Like, how did you, how did you envision it? Did it take a little while to figure out how you wanted to package it, how you wanted to put it together and what the heck you were doing as first-time entrepreneurs?
1: Yeah, it's, I think the next step was like sharing our idea with our, with my brother Marcos and then with my friend Connor. And so like, and from there, just like the seed grew. Um, we went from it just being an idea that Dom and I had on a backpacking trip to sitting down and talking through like, what could, what could this actually look like? And then diving into some of like, uh, my, my brother and I's roots, um, uh, from Michoacan and like, like my abuelita's recipes and, and just like, like this, this would actually be super cool to like build and like share with folks. And we landed on like huevos rancheros and veggie enchilada and carnitas enchilada and pozole and from there also like lean into like why 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 do we want to do this like what are our values and like what what is what is what's the problem that we're trying to solve and so we're trying to solve for to bring tasty delicious uh latin food to the back country and through that you know diversify the outdoors uh through food From there, launched a Kickstarter um, and raised over $20,000 on Kickstarter with over 270 folks supporting us and went into production in the summer of 2021 and then started selling on our website and doing accelerator programs. We won uh, third place in Denver Startup Week um, 2021, Denver Startup Week uh, BIPOC pitch competition. And then have also been featured in some like media outlets and like, it's been a really fun journey. Um, it's been also like some peaks and valleys too from like being out of stock yeah. and not being able to fulfill some orders and every and then, experience will have that for sure. Yeah. And just like figuring out our distribution process and figuring out how finger figuring out like how to best work with friends and family, um, and hold each other accountable. And like, And then also balance, like having a full-time job. And so like,
0: it's been, it's been a journey, but it's been a fun. So I'm curious about that balance between having a full-time job, because I think our traditional, I'm putting this in quotes, traditional, whatever you want to call it, because if you really want to go traditional, it's agrarian, but our standard 20th century work culture oftentimes would frown upon the idea of like working a full-time job, but also starting a business. But nowadays it seems like for a lot of people, that's the only real path for someone to find fulfillment because you have to keep the lights on, you know, so you have to have a full-time job. And sometimes that full-time job will be enough, but sometimes, sometimes it won't be the price of housing has become insane for a lot of people. And sometimes other things are going to find your fulfillment. So how do you find that balance? And um, are people on all ends, you know, treating you with, any kind of suspicion, you know, the whole idea, like from, um, shark tank, when people are like, I don't like the idea that you're also doing this, that you have another. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a great question. I think, I think what I have found is that because I'm doing work in spaces where that I cared that I'm like super passionate about, like I'm super passionate about education, equity, and organizing and advocacy. And like, I'm also grateful to have been in organizations that, care less about m- maintaining and uplifting uh traditional systems of like employment, you know, of like I'm grateful to have been in spaces where where my employers just care deeply about like, is the work getting done? Yeah. And is the quality of the work good? Great. And so like that's what they care about. It's less about like, are you um are you at the are you, yeah, <laughs> so, are you
0: present like like I've said this to so many people before like it's, you know, what work is getting done and what impact you're having at your job is way more important than whether or not yeah. your ass is in a chair for eight hours exactly. a day in a certain spot. And exactly. I think people are starting to realize it, even though there is some resistance in some corners, definitely. i think I think it also depends on like the
1: organizations, you know, like I think um, I had a friend who was he was at a city agency here in Colorado. and they were like, Oh, like, you know, where we have a hybrid model, like come to the office. He was hired. He was hired. And this is what he was told during the hiring process was like, Oh, we have a hybrid process. Come to the office twice a, a week. He got hired. And then it was like, Oh no, like, uh, we want you at the office every single day. Um, and then, and his point was like, like, I understand that. Like, I'm not like, I'm not like happy to come, but, but why? We're, we're living in a new world. Like I just want more intentionality with like, if you're going to ask me to come to the office for you to just walk by and like wave. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Like, are we going to be me? Are we going to have team meetings? Are we going to be connecting with partners? Yeah. It was such a good point. It's like, we're in a different, like professional world where, um, where it's like, make it sense for folks that are working those kind of roles to be, I don't know. I don't know if that
0: makes sense. Well, no, I think it makes sense because, you know, we're kind of in this process of a major debate over work culture. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who saw the pandemic disrupt it. And really all they want is to just go back to what they knew, what they were comfortable with, sometimes for decades or more before the pandemic hit. And I think what a lot of people are asking, it's not really about a specific solution. It's about explaining why the intentionality of saying, like, if we're going to have this policy... What's the what's the reason for it? What are we trying to accomplish? And then asking, is there another way to accomplish that thing? Because one of the things I've observed with some of the more remote work that we see is that people can do things like cook better meals at home than the ones you're going to get, either whether it be less calories or whether you want to like, you know, set aside an hour to actually cook what you have at your, you know, or go for a bike ride or do some of these other things that can lead to a a healthier and a happier life and have the energy to pursue some things. Because I think people are sometimes scared that if you're, if you're doing two things or three things or five things or whatever, that you're going to either burn out or you're not going to like be committed to something. But what it sounds like you're also saying is that if you're doing things that drive you, that bring you, you know, bring you Boy. joy, I've, um, I've observed myself in my own life and in others that Someone could be working thirty hours a week and be burnt out because it's draining work, and someone exactly. can be sixty hours a week, but be totally fulfilled and totally energetic because everything they do is a good reflection of who they are, what they care about, and the kinds of tasks that that really come naturally to them.
1: Exactly, and I think that's I think that's it, Stephen. I think that's what um, I think that's what life is about. Right? It's like leaning into the that purpose that, that is true for you. The last two things I'll add is like, you know, being an immigrant and like coming from an immigrant background, like someone that's always inspired me is my mom. And like, she's always been a hustler from like, uh, she's, she, uh, she used to work at the meatpacking plant in Fort Morgan, but then she would also, uh, she would also run her own like catering. She would like, uh, make meals for workers, um, that were adjacent to the meatpacking plant that worked Mm -hmm. at a carpentry. And she would always, Roll over and like have like hot lunches for folks that she would sell, and so like she, I think that's where it also comes from is like her being inspiring, and um and then the last thing I was gonna say is like I think it's
0: I can't remember the last thing, but um this is great. Well, there's one other thing I do want to ask from you because uh, you know we Coloradans and people in other parts of the country as well, you know we adventure at any particular time of the year. So if someone is listening to this podcast and they they want to get some non bland food for their next backpacking trip or next adventure. Um, you know, how would someone find also adventure meals? What's the website? What's the best way to order something?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, and, and Steven, this has been a wonderful time. I really appreciate you again for giving me the chance to share more about myself and also hope for folks that are ready to hit the trails and go, go camping, backpacking. You can snatch some of our meals from our website, Going to also you're also more than welcome to, uh, follow us on our, uh, Instagram account. Um, also adventure meals. We also lean into the storytelling, um, into the storytelling of adventure. And so like, you know, we would love for y'all to share some of your adventures as well by sending them to our, our Instagram account. Um, but yeah, uh, grab some meals at also meals.com.
0: I'll have to do that again myself. And just in case anyone out here is, uh, really, really bad at Spanish. Oso is simply spelled O S O. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I just I had to I had to actually just thought about that that at the very end. Um, oh. sometimes I take for granted knowing some things that a lot of people don't right. in case someone just doesn't really know Oso the Spanish. No, you're paper, right. in case it's not obvious from the context of the conversation. <laughs> and so it's osomeals.com. Felipe, thank you so much for joining on the podcast, for telling this great story, story about having a great mother, great example, leaning into some great adventures and being open and having some great conversations with people and saying yes to things. A lot of the lessons that anyone out there listening can kind of take into their own journeys. And I would also like to thank all the listeners out there, everyone that's tuned in, anyone that's tuned into any of my other 72 podcasts before this, or anyone that will tune into some others and encouraging you to keep tuning into actions, anecdotes, to hear more wonderful stories about people who are, you know, bringing about change to the world and also bringing about the life that they want to be living. Because in the end, that's all what we're all trying to get at is I'm doing something that makes sense for me. And I'm doing something that I feel proud of.
1: Exactly. Exactly, Stephen. No, thank you again so much. And thank you to the listeners. And uh, yeah,
0: appreciate you all. All right. Have a wonderful day, everybody.